The sequel cast airs Wednesdays, 3 to 4 p.m. Pacific Time on Cascadia.fm online internet streaming radio you can also download episodes of the sequel cast from www.sequelcast.com and your karate teacher's crap is shit remember that daniel your karate teacher is shit that you know i i don't like that language that's what they say at the end of the movie they also call miyagi a jap yeah i know that that also really bothered me so there was a podcast called the Sequel Cast. They talked about movies. And they talked about something else called boobies. The Sequel Cast. It's the Sequel Cast. It's the Sequel Cast. www.sequelcast.com. Hello and welcome to the Sequel Cast. This is a podcast about movies where we look at movies in a franchise one movie at a time. We're in the middle of uh, looking at Karate Kid movies. Uh, this episode we're looking at Karate Kid Part 3. This was uh, directed, uh, released in 1989, directed by John Alvidson, who also directed Karate Kid 1 and 2, as well as Rocky 1 and 5. Um... This was written by Robert Mark Kamen, the same writer as the first two Karate Kids, and stars uh, Ralph Macchio, Pat Morita, and Martin Cove, um, who are all from the um, first two movies. And then you got other actors such as Thomas Ian Griffith, the score by Bill Conti, who did music for the first two Karate Kid movies. Uh, I am your host, Uncle Milkshake. With me is Thrasher. Konnichiwa! And uh, BJ. Akumbowa! Now remember, it's... Uh, Bonsai, not Bonsai. That's what I learned from Karate Kid Part 3. Now, um, <laughs> before we get into Karate Kid 3, I just want to mention you can check out the website, sequelcast.com. Send us an email, sequelcast at gmail.com. Go on iTunes, look up Sequelcast, and uh, write a review if you want. And um, you can also listen to us live 3 to 4 p.m. Pacific Time on Wednesdays on uh, Cascadia.fm. It's a internet streaming radio website. So, and the Sequelcast now has a Tumblr page, blog thing. Uh, just look up Sequelcast and Tumblr, and um, it'll be there. Last part. There's some really interesting uh, things on there, Uncle Milkshake. Oh, thank you. I've been trying to put. Uh, let me look up the actual website name, so I got it. But uh, I think I'm having the most fun on there, looking up weird quotes about sequels. Oh. That, um, but yeah, if you go to Sequelcast. T-U-M-B-L-R dot com. I sort of comment on current news about sequels or remakes that are being made. And then I have uh, quotes, such as this quote from uh, actor Christopher Reeve on Superman 1, 2, and 3. Whereas the other Superman films started big, outer space, other planets, and worked down, Superman 3 starts small and develops into an epic-sized movie. That that's overplaying it a bit for, but we'll save. I'll save my comments on <laughs> Superman three for when we get around to doing Superman. Oh, we'll certainly do Superman at some point on the sequel cast. But let's uh, get back to what we're meant to talk about: the Karate Kid Part Three. Um, I do have to mention. You noticed in the sequel so far, it's not just Karate Kid Two; it's the Karate Kid Part Two. And I guess they're trying to make it sound like the Godfather, or like it's all supposed to be one big epic. And. Uh, that kind of screams of pretension. I don't know. Well, it could be just the way that, um, you know, just like the the previous Karate Kid Part 2 starts out with the scenes from Karate Kid Part 1 where it's continuing the same story. 
Well, Karate Kid 3 starts out almost the exact same way. Yeah, except it's focused a bit on uh, the Cobra Kai and Kreese. But you're right, it, it is a pretty similar montage. In fact, um, a bit of trivia about Karate Kid Part 3. I um, got this from a book called Writing Screenplays That Sell that involves a lot of interviews with Robert Mark Kamen, the uh, writer of the Karate Kid, um, at least the first three movies. And originally the plot for Karate Kid 3 was uh, Daniel was to enter a worldwide martial arts tournament. And um, the budget for Karate Kid 3, you know, got severely cut. So they had to redo the script. And um, do you think a, a plot of a worldwide fighting tournament would have worked well for this movie? Well, I think it would have it would have been a, a nice escalation to see to see. You know, we we know that Daniel was sort of a regional karate champion. It would be nice to see him go to the state level, to the national level, even to the international level. I, I think that would have been a nice escalation. But you know, by the time we get to the climax of this one, he's just back at the same local tournament that he was in during at the end of the first film. The way I think that's the whole problem. This whole thing suffers yeah. from is. He's kind of hit. He hits a plateau in part two where he went to where karate, his karate comes from, and fought somebody trained by like a. You know, he basically fought his equivalent, who was just much more intimidating and scarier, and he's a freaking yakuza. And yet, he beat that guy. But now he comes home. Well, what else can you do with him? You know. Well, right. The, the way I was thinking of it, watching this uh, Karate Kid Part Three, is. Karate Kid Part 2, it's as if you made a sequel to the first movie, but we're really reaching for something. You go to a different location, add, you know, a bit more complexity to um, the characters. Karate Kid Part 3, I think, is sort of what one would expect of a sequel of the first Karate Kid. Like, if, you know, Karate Kid Part 2 didn't exist, Part 3 might have been Part 2. I don't know. It's like, you know... Cause part... it does, you're right, it seems a little bit out of order. Yeah, like, I mean... You... It yeah, is you also the same thing, and then you go take it that next level, take him to Japan. This is almost a remake of the first movie, um, except Ralph Macchio plays Daniel as really whiny, and I was uh, reminded of Hayden Christensen's acting as Anakin Skywalker in uh, oh, no. in the Star Wars prequels, and that you have, and, and I mean, this is a very male trait, uh, whether teenage or not. Where you get really frustrated and go, oh, this is stupid. Oh, I, oh I'm, I'm impatient. This needs to go faster. I, I don't know. I mean, from the bad guys to the plot, uh, the Karate Kid Part Three almost seems like a an after school special or like a cartoon in some level. Compared, well, I think what's really sad two. about Karate Kid Part Three is that it the characters don't even seem like the same characters from the previous two movies. This doesn't seem like the Mr. Miyagi we've known or the Daniel we've known. Yeah, Miyagi almost seems to go insane about halfway through the film. <laughs> it's like he's he's run out of mystical uh, Asian phrases, so he just starts acting like a like a, a, a low level crazy person. And yet, for I, like the middle of the film, right? And yet, I think the beginning has um, some sort of promising stuff. You get the an extended return of Martin Cove as Sensei Kreese, who um, is really run down because his his dojo took a hit. The Cobra Kai dojo took a hit because, uh, you know, of him losing to this newcomer out of nowhere, to Daniel. And he's really think... he's really depressed and run down, and even though he doesn't have a lot of dialogue, just his posture, you feel a little bit sorry for him. Yeah, that's true. 
it's probably more from his encounter with Miyagi afterwards that Gojo <laughs> went back, went downhill. Sure. Like, yeah, he probably he lost his confidence. Made a, he made a fool of himself in public, and so everybody saw that or heard about that, and so everybody just got out. Yeah, maybe Johnny filed a lawsuit against us on Say Crease. That would be, that would be in, in whatever the, the, you know, that's what, um, oh God, that's what they're going to do in the next one with uh, Will Smith's son. The karate court. Uh, the Cobra Kai kid. Um, <laughs> but so he meets up with, um, you know, they reveal that, I guess this is briefly mentioned in the first film, but the, John Kreese was uh, in Vietnam and uh, he had a, a comrade, uh, Terry Silver, played uh, in Tom, by Thomas Ian Griffith, who this happens to be his first movie, by the way. He was also a member of Cobra Kai, and he has a lot of money. Reminds me almost of uh, Dudley Moore in the Arthur films. Well, you and, know, uh, you, the character of Terry Silver, he he is the he is the karate douchebag. <laughs> he, he's got his hair slicked back into a ponytail, he's got a gold chain. Half yeah. the time we see him, he's naked and berating an employee. Uh, he, he knows he knows enough karate to beat the hell out of people. And Which is fitting with the Cobra Kai thing, and he, he, just, he wants to make Cobra Kai a chain of... Uh, a chain of dojos uh, nationwide, and he want, more importantly, he wants to embarrass Daniel and Miyagi on uh, Sensei Kreese's behalf, which seems like that seems very pithy. But we're going to really embarrass an old man and a teenager. <laughs> That'll well, he's, he is the ultimate like bad guy. Like you, you want they they were trying so hard to make you hate this guy that you almost can't hate him because he's too comical. Well, yeah, like like. At no point do we really get any indication of why he has this much money, except that there's they two do references. tell you he has a toxic dumping company. Yeah, he dumps, dumps he toxic waste. Dumps toxic waste, and he's and like he and he doesn't dispose of it. No, he just dumps it. It's like man, you used to be able to dump that everywhere. Now it's getting harder. Well, the way I'm thinking, you know, even with the the structure of the movie isn't bad, but if they just would have shuffled the cards a bit, for instance, what if you didn't know? Um, Sensei Kreese was alive at the beginning because later on in the movie they pretend that he's dead. Then it would really be a surprise when uh, Kreese pops up out of nowhere in the dojo to surprise Daniel. I know. I think that would have been kind of silly because then you've got, oh, well, now he lied too. I think that would have seemed tacked on. I kind of like that. I kind of, I kind of like that we see Kreese, you know, dealing with the consequences of his behavior from the first film. And I do like that we do see Kreese a little bit conflicted. I mean, initially Kreese is like, "No, let, let's let's just drop this with the with with uh, with Daniel and Miyagi." But Silver really pulls him back in, really turns him. You, you know, you know what it is. Um, Terry Silver is the Emperor, and Kreese is Darth Vader. And after being bested by. Luke Skywalker in the form of Daniel LaRusso, he was about to turn good and be redeemed, but then the evil Emperor Terry Silver pulled him back to the dark side. Wow. You know, that, that analogy certainly works. However, they, while the uh, movie Return of the Jedi, you know, the last of the, uh, the, uh, the older Star Wars trilogy, the original Star Wars trilogy, I guess, um, features a lot of time on the bad guys. Here, I mean, it, it's lip service. Uh, in particular... You know, with with John Kreese, Sensei Kreese. I would like much... to have seen him in Tahiti. 
because of the tone of this movie, I would like to have actually seen seasons crease into Edie relaxing. What I wish well, no, we do. There's a phone call between Crease and Silver, and Crease is like just on a ta- is like on a wicker table on the beach, getting a rub down from two native girls who are quite possibly <laughs> supposed to be prostitutes. And it's and it's comical. It really is comical. I think that works. But uh, you know, if I was to make a Karate Kid three, and let's uh, sequel cast listeners, if we're saying ideas for movie sequels, that's because we don't really like this movie very much. That's a subtle hint. Um, Karate Kid Part 3, what if it would have been a, a prequel movie about uh, John Kreese in Vietnam? And what happened while he was on Vietnam to uh, make him have such a crazy militant, to cause him to form the Cobra Kai? Did he get bit by a... cool to see him interplay with whatever their master from Korea is. That too, right? It's yeah, see, they like, mentioned. Terry Silver and John Kreese uh-huh. like, going through learning karate together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well... Is that is that Korean master confirmed, or is that just part of the web of lies that Terry Silver spins throughout this film? Well, um, I, I'm pretty sure that, that they are doing Taekwondo, which is Korean, uh, just by watching the way that they, they fight. And if they were in Nam, that's uh, probably what they learned. Um, most karate, especially in the 80s, was Taekwondo. Uh, more of that was brought back. Um, from people in Korea and when Vietnam, Vietnam wars, then karate, you know, actual karate was brought from like Japan. So most places you go like on the street saying, "Ah, oh, we do karate." Well, they do Taekwondo, which is Korean karate. And if I'm not mistaken, um, a, a big difference between the two is Taekwondo focuses on kicks a lot. It's very yes, very lower body. Over yeah, and karate is more upper body. Yes, uh, that's, very- that's 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 a general. That's a generalization, but but especially if you looked at look at Terry Silver, like he was doing all kinds of crazy spin kicks and stuff. When you see him doing karate, it's not that grounded Mr. Miyagi fighting, right? Right. Which, oh my God, that was! I wish that we had never seen that. That was kind of like the Yoda flipping out thing. Like, that was <laughs> not. No. You know, I actually think the fight choreography in Karate Kid Part 3 is one of the best things about it. It seems oh, to have yeah. a bit more zip to it than the other films. Uh, well, you it, know what I, I realized while watching this film? Something that I really miss in modern movies. In this film, when a fight happens, I actually get to see the fight. There's no mucking around with, like, jumbling cameras and slow motion and fast motion. When a fight happens, we just get to see the fight, and we get to see and appreciate all that choreography. Yeah, it's a lot of a lot of longer shots, you know, not not so much quick cutting close ups or moving like jiggly cameras. Uh, but uh, you know, we we've we just barely touched on this plot of Karate Kid Part Three. Uh, so Daniel seems to have an endless college fund. He was able oh, yeah, to like, uh, to he... go to Japan with the college fund. He was able to help a Japanese village, I think, with the college fund, the Okinawan village, and. Um, he has enough left over where he's like, you know, I, I don't want to do college right away. Uh, well, Mr. Though, Miyagi, I'm going to open, uh, I'm going to make you live your dream of having a, uh, a bonsai uh, tree store. Well, actually, no, no. Some of that money uh, he won with the bar bets in, in Japan. Ah. But Remember he's still, money, he's still I mean, blowing. It was supposed to be for him to go to college, but he decided to open the store instead. And- See, to me, the real the Miyagi from the previous ones would have slapped him upside his head and said, go get your money back. You get a little bit of that. On the other hand, I think like it is a very 
they could have played it better, but I think it's a nice gesture. It's sort of paying back for, you know, Miyagi gives Daniel the car and all that stuff in the first movie. And he, he, it's coming from a nice place. Um, oh, speaking of the car, did any of you notice the quirk with Daniel's car in this film? It's a different color? It's, no. Or, yeah. Again. In Karate Kid 2, it was Robin's Egg Blue, but in, but in Karate Kid 3, it's yellow. Maybe he got another car. Maybe, because remember, Mr. Miyagi used to have, like, a bunch of cars. So maybe he's got a new one because the other one was in such bad shape. Well, Miyagi mentions later he sells his cars to help. Uh, but uh, this, the Karate Kid Part 3, Daniel would get in a lot less trouble if he'd lock the door behind him when he goes into the bonsai tree shop after hours. Uh, or just well, not to you know it. After they showed up once, wouldn't you just, like, let's meet somewhere else, you know? Or call like did or call, call the, police. the police. That too, that too, right? Well, call the uh, police. Terry Silver's probably got them paid off. They just didn't want to say that because it, it would have taken too much explanation. I mean, so with this movie, you um you have yet an, again a different girl, and this one uh, her name is Jessica Andrews, played by Robin Lively, and I really wish they would have gotten uh, the girl from the first movie in this one. I think. That might have been nice because uh, I would I would have liked to seen the girl from uh, part two to actually come to America. I think it would have been. More oh, you could do some comedy. Yeah. Oh man, she actually I, th- this movie she gets totally written out of this film because like it gets brought up. Oh, just like just like the girl from the first movie. What I love is they 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 start off two almost exactly the way they three is started off. Well, but, where but you ex- see about Crease and then you see. Oh, the girl! The girl left again, and, and well, he's the just thing is, though, his luck. their explanation is so forced because her whole explanation is she she got a job dancing with the dance company in Japan, but that was part of the whole thing in the first in, in Karate Kid Part Two is that she she couldn't get a job at a dance company because she wanted to be trained in classical dance and they didn't have schools for classical dance in Japan apparently. Well, she I, there's no schools for like ballet uh, style, but you know she could do. Classical Japanese style, which they could have. Uh, well, yeah, uh, I suppose so. They probably hired her to do that, and she's like, "Well, hey, it's money I could use to help the village." Oh, actually, speaking of money, that's the other thing because you know when they get when when um, when Daniel and Miyagi get back to get back to America, you know the the uh, the apartment where Miyagi you know does uh, works has been is is being shut down, and they're they're informed of this. Of course, they don't call him. They're informed of this by the Marble Rye lady from Seinfeld. Well, uh, it's confirmed. Uh, they are um, converting it into a spa, right? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. But the thing is, though, is that um, that's when Daniel, you know, brings up, oh, well, you know, you're kind of retired early. You can do your you can do your flower shop thing. You know, you, you've been saving up money for it. And uh, uh, Miyagi explains that he used his... That, that he doesn't have that money because he used it to rebuild the the house in in uh, uh, Okinawa, but as I recall, I thought Sato was was footing the bill to rebuild the village. Uh, I have a feeling Miyagi didn't you know wanted to help out and pay some. Ah, true, true. I think it's an issue of pride. I also think Sato might have welched on his deal somewhat. <laughs> I don't know. I think I I think I really detected a real change of heart from think, Sato there. Maybe. Oh, that's oh, that's another character that's written out of this film. Daniel's mom. She is in it for a minute. Yeah, he, uh, he, he talks to her on the phone, and she's taking care of um, 
His Uncle Louie. His good old Uncle Louie. Who has emphasis. I love how she leaves her teenage son just with this ran- with this random old Japanese man. Oh, he's like, got ah, You can stay with Mr. Miyagi. Well, the thing is, like, that, like that the, um, that, that the un- Uncle Louie character, you know, he has emphysema, which is what how why she's taking care of him, which, first and foremost, isn't a come-by-and-take-care-of-a-sick-relative-over-the-weekend thing. Emphysema can stick with you. Second, it's the most comically rendered emphysema I've ever seen on film. He's just, like, he's in, when she's on the phone with, with Daniel... You see Louie in the background, and he's just coughing and pulling these ridiculous faces and then flailing his arms. <laughs> Which is weird. Like, it seems like a big explanation for why she's not in the film. Because in the previous film, she wasn't in there because uh, her her work, or whatever her job is, they had her go to another city for a month to work on some project. Why couldn't you just say that got extended? Why yeah, whole- I, I don't think you really need so. that scene. I think maybe there happened to be an opening with that actress's schedule. And I thought well, we might as well use her, but it's um, you could have had her shown up at the tournament at the end as part of the audience, and that might have been yeah a yeah. more effective use. So uh, I'm I'm confused about how old Daniel is because the tournament is only for under eighteen, and he's finished high school. He should be in. I mean, it seems some, like he's some people finish high. Post- I mean, they say this is supposed to take place around a year after the first one. Yet between Karate Kid Part Two and Part Three. Uh, old Ralph Macchio has gained some weight. He's he's not fat, but it uh, looks like he has some ho hos in his cheeks. Well, you know what it might be. Uh, there might be because I think he's cl- he's clearly at least eighteen. There might be an exception since he would be like since there's this whole thing about defending the title. Maybe you're allowed to come back to defend the title. I'm I'm curious how they would actually make this work with a world tournament. Like, how, how would the, you know, it's, it's one thing when it's, like, the local thing. Like, okay, yeah, we might be able to get him to get back into that. But with Miyagi obviously being opposed to it for its own principle without a real reason to do it, getting him to a world tournament seems like a tough thing to do. Unless, like, Chuck Norris comes in and has, like, his guy. And, <laughs> uh, I well, don't know. I'm sure if they'd gone with the world tournament plot, I am I am sure that... that the whole story probably would have been very different, and there probably would have been, you know, what it probably would have been uh, Daniel becoming like a sports celebrity from his karate, and like the f- the fame causes him to lose touch with the grounding of Miyagi karate. Yeah, that could be. I don't know. I know very little details about what that original idea was, or even if a whole script was written, maybe uh, maybe it was just like a treatment or something. But, um, There's actually not a whole lot of information on Karate Kid 3. I was looking on Wikipedia, and it's actually a pretty small article. No, and then even like Googling around, there's not much you can find. Um, it's the I forgotten didn't know if there was any commentary on it or not. No, no, no. Um, you know, out of the Karate Kid films, or the older ones, the only one that has any commentary or documentaries is the first one. Um, yeah, on, shame. I'd really like to see some for the second one. I I, think right, yeah. I think, uh, you know, on... Um, they came out with Karate Kid uh, one and two on uh, on Blu-ray, but those were just uh, they had the same special features as the DVD. I think Karate Kid two might have a five-minute documentary that came out the same time as that movie did. So I mean, very fluff piece uh, sort of stuff. Um, oh, can we can we touch again on Robin Lively's the girlfriend uh, Jessica Andrews? Yeah, so well, what, and I like so, she's very much not the girlfriend until the end. Yeah, and, and, like, and she works at a pottery store that's across the street from Miyagi's uh, bonsai shop they're opening. 
And I, I, I love the way she's introduced. It's her delicately working her hands up and down a shaft of clay on a potter's wheel. It's it's ghost, you know. When 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 did ghost come out? It was about the same time, maybe. No, no, it came out oh. in the nineties. Karate Kid know. Three, nineteen eighty nine. Uh, yeah, Ghost was one year later, nineteen ninety. Oh. But you're right; it, it's they... very similar. Uh, well, I, I guess anytime you're making cl- pots like that, it's going to look the same. But right, well, sort it, of a it, sexual. They stole it from Karate Kid Part Three. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Man, yeah I, uh, that's that's likely. Um, but uh, but I like the Jessica Andrews character. I like I like that she's a a much stronger girlfriend. When the punks show up, she fights back. She True. has more sort of physical in a certain way has more physical discipline than Daniel. She she jogs. She she helps him work out. I mean, she really seems she, to have she's a, a t- rock climber for goodness sake. Yeah, yeah, and a rock climber. She really she she is a she is a woman worthy of of Daniel at his best. And yet she's going to move out of town in a few weeks. And so even though she said she's not interested in uh, uh, going steady with him. They do. They spend an awful lot of time together. Yeah, that going out of town thing seems so tacked on because it, it seems like it's only there to justify why she vanishes from the film at the end. I think they, were the to, they, they were trying to build in their their exit for the the woman so they could bring in a new one. Mm. I guess they were trying to like James Bond Daniel here or something. <laughs> so like Karate Kid Part Four would have been somebody. It wouldn't have been Ralph Macchio. It would have been somebody else playing Maybe. older Daniel Larusa. Maybe Karate Kid Part Four, Miyagi would have been on his deathbed, and uh, this mysterious Asian man, uh, you know, comes there, and he's, uh, you know, like in his, he is in his forties, and it turns out he is Miyagi's uh, long lost son oh. that Miyagi never talked about, and who has no interest in karate whatsoever. But um, so Daniel has to teach. So him. Daniel has to, Daniel has to teach him. Be careful what you say. <laughs> that movie could still get made. <laughs> Hey, you know, they're doing some amazing things with computer graphics and bringing in dead people into movies. Uh. You know, they had, uh, at the Oscars this year, they had Bob Hope say, thanks, James Franco and uh, Anne Hathaway. They used yeah, that, Forrest Gump technology, too. Uh, I haven't seen that, but that seems really ghoulish. I, I hope. I, I, don't want, I don't want his CGI cadaver brought out on stage and made to dance like a puppet. Yeah, um. you know what I realized we haven't really discussed what exactly is supposed to be going on in this movie because we've got the whole plot. There's a lot going it, on. It's in this very movie. muddled. There's, a, I mean, for even we, though it retreads the first film lot, there is a lot going on. You have this whole yeah. thing where Mr. Miyagi uh, explains to Daniel that the very, uh, I guess they they took a bonsai bush from Japan and planted on a cliff by a waterfall. No, yeah, when, when Miyagi came to America. When Miyagi came back bonsai. to America, they brought it. And that's like, that's the tenderest of bonsai bushes. It's worth quite a lot of money. and uh, But it's on the edge of a cliff. And that yeah. becomes, um, uh, there's a huge plot, a subplot in the film about these local, uh, these local karate boys trying to rough Daniel up, uh, doing extortion, basically. Well, trying what, to force well, him to sign a, a release that will let him defend his title in the uh, well, champion. Well, that that ties into Terry Silver's evil plans, because, 
you know, he wants wants Daniel Imbiaga to be humiliated. He wants to open the Cobra Kai dojo, so he sends his own punks to threaten Miyagi and Daniel to get Daniel to fight in the tournament so that Daniel can get trounced. But this plot also involves Terry Silver crafting a secret identity as a martial artist uh, who will then train Daniel in evil martial arts and betray him. It really is complicated. And the Terry Silver stuff doesn't really come into play directly uh, until the last half of the film. The first half, it's about... Um, the flower, the, the bonsai shop. The bonsai shop and Daniel getting bullied. And again, it, you're reminded a lot of the first movie of Daniel getting pushed around by Johnny and all that stuff. But in this one, you know, they do really threaten him. They like, they go into the, uh, they start breaking crap in the new bonsai store, breaking windows and things, beating the shit out of Daniel several times. He just takes it like a bitch. Um, I mean, it's, it's really weird, but I mean, I guess it's because they break all that property and stuff that um, Daniel and uh, Jessica, the, the lady in this one, they decide to go and get that Okinawan bonsai bush off the side of the cliff so they can sell it for money to repair all this damage that's been caused to uh, the bonsai shop. Which means, I guess, they never when they got the lease for the shop, they never got any insurance on it. And, and again, that's <laughs> yeah, the thing that right. drives me nuts is like, you know, you got to wonder, you know, their shop and their property has been damaged. They have two witnesses to the damage. They can identify the people involved. The people threatened them with further violence and threatened Jessica with rape. And yet when they go to the police, the police apparently, like, laugh them off. But it's all handled with expository dialogue. And with the police, I can't believe they can't do nothing. Uh, you know, I think Daniel just has a lot of, has a lot of pride. Also, there, there's a lot of friction between Daniel and Miyagi because Daniel's kind of interested in doing this tournament again, and Miyagi says, no, 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 karate's for defense, not for attack. You don't just do it to defend a, a plastic uh, a plastic, a plastic trophy, yeah. gold-painted trophy, which is, which is a fair point, I think. But, um, but well, this whole sequence where they're getting this bonsai bush off the side of the cliff, I think isn't half bad. You get some suspense with... Uh, the ropes are coming. You think they're all going to fall, and then the, they're kind of stuck down there. Well, well, that's something that that, that that I did not like. Well, one thing I will say about well, two points about the the when they're scaling down the rock wall to get to the bonsai tree. Um, one, it's most of those scenes are accomplished through uh, rear projection, and the rear projection is actually pretty good. Oh, it's blue um, screen. You mean or no, no, it's it's not blue screen. It's rear projection where they actually have a mo- movie screen behind uh, part of a set, and they're projecting... They were projecting actual footage of the rock face onto that screen, but then they had, like, a fake rock face side that they were climbing on. I see. Kind of like kind of like Shatner in uh, in Star Trek V. <laughs> okay. But, um, but the thing is, like, there's... I felt there was a lot of false tension in that rock climbing scene, because when they first start rock climbing... Out of nowhere, oh no, a landslide! And they're dodging rocks that are suddenly coming down. And then they get down, and then, oh, we're slipping! And then they, you know, oh, we've got the tree. And then, oh no, somebody's pulling the ropes up! And it just seems like they should have saved all that for when they got to the bottom. They should have lured the audience into a false sense of security. Because just from having that one rock slide when they first started their descent... All, all my energy was already spent on that scene, and I just did not care about any further threats. I, I mean, I mean the evil, uh, 
evil gang of karate teenagers that keep on threatening Daniel. Including Snake. Yeah, including Snake. Oh, snake. Or, or, That's a great name for the leader of a bunch of punks. Yeah, snake. it's a perfect name. Uh, you know, it's so... They're really mean to Daniel. It's much meaner than they were in the first movie. Not only do they beat him up, they threaten to uh, to rape his girlfriend, and the, you know all the other bullies are like, oh, that'll be fun. We can't wait to get our hands on that. When, you know, he kind of forces him to sign the piece of paper and they snatch the paper from him. And then they demand he hands over the Okinawan uh, bonsai bush and they they practically snap it in half right in front of him. Oh, actually, something that did occur to me about this whole like karate, because they do force him to sign the paper saying he'll do the tournament. Couldn't he just not show up? Could Or couldn't he go to whatever... <laughs> to the judges or whatever authority and let them know, hey, I've been coerced. I will not go through with this because you could just not show up to the tournament and not give them the satisfaction. But, BJ, what do you think? BJ may still be uh, in the restroom. I see. Practicing katas. Um, you know, I think what it is is they say either you show up at the tournament or we're going to torment you every day for the rest of your life. Which, I mean, that's a pretty... Seems like an empty threat, but they've caused a lot of damage to the shop. Um, I do like the... There's a little bit of a twist when Daniel's heartbroken. He has this uh, expensive bonsai bush in crappy condition. He goes to give it to Mr. Miyagi, who... Uh, the expression on Pat Morita's face when he sees that broken bonsai bush is pretty yeah, great. there's a lot of heart in that scene. Yeah, his, his face just falls, and they, they run to try and fix it. And then, while this is going on... The um, the bonsai bush shop is all getting fixed, and Daniel's like, "Well, how can you afford to get this fixed?" And Miyagi says, "Well, I sold my car, and now I take bus." So, which makes uh, Daniel's efforts to save the bush all that more futile. Mm. Yeah, and then of course there's there's also the tension because he wants he wants Miyagi to to sort of to to teach him more to really open up the martial arts, and and I don't know, it's it seems. It's not as I, I never get the the because the I think what they're going for is that Miyagi is teaching at a pace too slow for what Daniel wants. Yeah. But throughout most of this movie, it seems as if Miyagi isn't teaching Daniel at all. I, I think you're right, Thrasher. Miyagi is refusing to teach because I'll teach you when you're ready. I'll teach you when you need to fight. Otherwise, uh, I, I guess you already know a lot. But why why should I teach you? It just seems like. He's already the situation has already been escalated far past the last two times he's had to you know fight. Yeah, and that Miyagi should have gone. Okay, let's 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 nip this in the bud. Let's get let's take care of this. Here's what you need to know. Enter the tournament, kick some ass, and then we can have a nice peaceful time with our bonsai show. Well, remember what I said though about Miyagi going insane? It really comes to a head when like they're really you know they're in dire straits because you know the damage to the shop and whatnot. And Miyagi just starts singing this annoying song that I guess is in Japanese, but his his accent is so thick it sounds like gibberish. And if you're in a tight situation and emotions are running high and then you start singing an irritating song, you're being an ass. Yeah, that sounds like my behavior in car trips a lot, honestly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but... You know, I, I kind of like that scene of Miyagi breaking out into a number. It He just is, uh, always has either a wise or a positive, it's his always look on the bright side of life uh, moment. And um, 
I don't think it's earned necessarily. They don't really pay it off with something like, well, the lyrics of that actually mean you got to yeah. take care of your bonsais. Or, uh, that's awful. But um, It was probably just Pat Marina saying some gibberish that sounded Japanese. And then it ends with the word football. <laughs> yeah, so, so that's going on. Um, and now yeah, then, is when... Oh, go on. Oh, no, I'm just saying, because then, you know, as, as Daniel starts to get frustrated... That's when, because uh, uh, at one point when Daniel's being harassed by uh, being harassed by Snake and the other punks, uh, Terry Terry Silver, and I love I love Terry Silver's disguise as a humble martial arts teacher. It's all it is is jeans, a battered members only jacket, and, a, and, a, and an old truck. <laughs> Other than that, he's exactly the same. But he saves Daniel, and then then he st- then he starts to train Daniel. But he starts to train Daniel in a very aggressive, very unsportsmanlike uh, style. I like all that training stuff. Actually, it's pretty interesting. It's the complete opposite of uh, how Miyagi trains. You get a sense of how they train after hours in the Cobra Kai dojo. Yeah, but it's and it's really dark too. I mean, it's it's what's it's, so weird is that blood. Daniel is still so quick to abandon everything he learned from Miyagi to go do this. <laughs> yeah, that, like, that's you look true. At Daniel in the last two movies, he never would have gone into the Cobra Kai dojo with this guy. Especially after the first session. Well, the He thing... would have gone once and they'd be like, dude, this is not my way. But in this movie, Daniel is pissed at Miyagi the entire time. He's like, oh, you won't sign my thing for me. I hate you, Miyagi. Or, oh, you're making fish. I don't like fish, Miyagi. Or... Well, you know, the the thing that, uh, speaking of, like, Daniel sort of forgetting the lessons he learned from Miyagi is is that, you know, um, Silver talks about, you know, he has, like, sort of three three principles. If a man can't stand, he can't fight. If a man can't see, he can't fight. One not. It's when he goes to when a man can't see, he can't fight, and teaches Daniel how to break someone's nose in, so that, in his words, they are blinded by their tears and blood. That really should be a red flag. I don't feel Daniel's <laughs> been successfully coerced by that point to go, oh, yeah, blinding move, okay. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, and yet, even though there's there's these montages with this sort of training sequence, it pays off a little bit, but I think not as much as it should. I don't know. You expect it to... Uh, because there's a scene after this where uh, Daniel and Jessica go on a date and behind the scenes, Silver, you know, makes makes a guy pick a fight. He pays a guy. He pays a guy under the table to pick a fight with Daniel. And Daniel's full of piss and vinegar, want to use his uh, badass Cobra Kai training, and pops the guy in his nose and breaks his nose, which just makes uh, what Jessica hates. She, it's not a turn on for her at all. Although I do, although I do like that. That's when Daniel realizes he's on the wrong path. When without thinking, he does severe injury. To to uh, uh, to a dupe. I kind of wish you would have spent like a night in jail, and you would have had Miyagi visit him. I don't know. That might be too dark. Well, I think this whole movie gets a lot darker and goes places the others haven't. The fact that you actually hear—I don't remember hearing any swearing in the previous two movies. Mm, yeah. But we're coming up like towards the end here. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Oh, actually, that dance club that, that Daniel uh, takes Jessica to on the night before she's going to leave town, uh, that dance club, that band that's playing, is that not the most 80s band you have ever seen in film? 
Uh, you know, it, it probably is. I think the only thing that could have been more 80s is from uh, The Wedding Singer, but that's because that was a caricature of the 80s anyway. But no, but these were these were that guy. They all had really bad, almost uh, like frizzy and jerry curl haircuts. They had sports jackets over over uh, Dickie turtlenecks and wife beaters. They had the synth way instruments. Much, uh, they had the, the bad mustache. Yeah, the synthesizers. Hmm. I mean, it's 1989, but that dates this movie as taking place in, like, 1984. So you get this kind of confrontation at the Cobra Kai dojo where Daniel walks in and says uh, to Silver, I'm not going to train with you any longer. I, you know, I thought I was I was too hard on the guy, punching him in the nose. And I, I really don't want to do the tournament anymore either. And uh, then Silver kind of snaps his fingers and out of the woodwork pops out the uh, the karate bullies that have been giving um, Daniel such a hard time earlier in the film. He said, by the way, these are Cobra Kai members, and um, you're supposed to feel like a big portrayal, but it's no real surprise. I, I don't Not know. to the audience. No, and I don't know how you could have made it uh, a surprise to the audience. Oh, well, that oh that's the other thing. Uh, when, when Daniel, during the flashback to the first film at the beginning... When it shows Daniel enter the Cobra Kai dojo to see them train, there's a big cutout of John Kreese, which looks suspiciously like David Hasselhoff. And I'm, and when I saw that flashback, I'm like, oh, you know what? It would be hilarious if John Kreese was hiding behind that cardboard cutout in that same pose. <laughs> and wouldn't you know it, when this confrontation happens, when Daniel decides to just turn around and leave the dojo after the punks come out, John Kreese jumps out from behind that cardboard cutout. See, he should have had a heart attack at that point. Oh my god, it's a dead guy! Yeah, because he has been told that Kreese committed suicide. I kind of like that he comes out and, and kind of yells boo and just laughs in Daniel's face repeatedly. Like it, It's very shallow, but it's... Uh, That's what assholes do. That's what assholes do. They're laughing at him. All the um, All the younger bullies try to beat up Daniel, kind of chase him out, and then Miyagi comes in and uh, this is what you were talking about earlier, BJ. To kind of really bust, he uh, cracks out a few moves for these younger kids. Yeah, it's just, I mean, and he does every he does everybody in. He beats Kreese into the ground, he beats Silver into the ground, and he beats the bully guys into the ground. And yet they're still perfectly fine to compete later on. And the fact that they didn't get scared by this little old man who could just waltz in there and just beat them the crap out of them without barely moving... Well, I think they know he's honorable enough that he won't come after them even at the tournament. Although we really don't learn exactly how much time passes because after this showdown of the dojo, Miyagi goes to Daniel and says that he will train him. Uh, and then there's a training montage, but like, who Which knows how much time Very much, much like passes. the training montage from the first movie. In fact, I think it has the same score. It's the same music, and furthermore, the beginning of Karate Kid 3 shows um, Miyagi and Daniel training, I, I think even at that same spot, with that same piece of music. So it's almost a repeated montage from earlier in the film. Um, but yeah, it's that little classical bit of music. With the, I have to the say, film. I still love the music uh, that Bill Conti does for this this series, even even if this movie itself was not as good. The music was still wonderful. Mm, yeah. yeah, it works. It's not an overscored movie. They... Uh, Kind of spread it out throughout the film. A lot of repeated uh, elite motifs. Yeah, it doesn't have a good oh, the... catchy pop song though. Nope. It's oh, not the... like you know. It's not like the last one where everybody knows that. One. And even the one from the first movie, 
uh, you know, it was a really cool, like, you know, pop song at the time, but I don't think there was one in this one. Well, early, early in the film, we get a cover of Summer in the City, uh, when they first, when Miyagi and Daniel first returned to America. And then there's whatever music that band of the dance club is playing, but that's all, that's really, really forgettable. Although those flute motifs, that was by Zanfir. Hmm. Is Zanfir to the flute motifs in this film? Interesting. Yeah. Uh, kids, kids, talk to your grandparents. They'll explain to you who Zanfir is. So they're after the uh, montage. They replant the um, healed bonsai, and you go into the final tournament. Although because of these new tournament rules, Daniel doesn't have to fight in the tournament again. He just has to fight the final fight, which I think yeah, takes and that takes a bit of suspense, I think, out of this. Well, one of the, the worst things about that, as a martial artist, that is a terrible thing to basically have to sit there the whole day watching the tournament and you get cold and you are in worse shape to fight yeah. than if you had fought the whole time. Although I do like how, um, isn't it Snake? Isn't that the person that Daniel fights against? No, no. It's, oh, no? Uh, I believe it's, is it Dennis? <laughs> it's, I don't even care. Uh, it's I one of the kids. From the uh, earlier. Oh, Mike! Movie. It's Mike. Is it Mike? Okay. Mike yeah, Clark. Mike. It's, he, he's yeah. He's a guy that that's gonna that's gonna get like a fifty percent stake in the the Cobra Kai dojo chain if he can humiliate Daniel by defeating him in the tournament. He's the ringer. That seems kind of unbelievable that you would do a uh, that much of a take in there, but well, he negotiates for it. <laughs> well, I don't think Silver really cared about the money. I think he well, cared more. I, I really would like to see why Crease and Silver are so tight. Well, you why know, Silver would bend over backwards to do this stuff for Crease. Well, I think part of it's the war buddy bond. But one thing I got to say about about Silver, he's got to be in organized crime. The Cobra Kai dojos have to be a front for some for some mafia bullshit. Maybe it's a front. It's a front for the Foot Clan. <laughs> They're going to do the crossover with Ninja Turtles next because after you know Ninja Turtles one, two, and three, where else are you going to go? We're going to do Karate Kid meets Ninja Turtles. Maybe. Can you Maybe. imagine Miyagi and Splinter sitting around like having tea? Hello. Hello. Yeah, I got uh, Skype just booted me off. Hello. Uh, I am here. Yeah, Skype booted me off. I'm sorry. It recorded all the stuff we did before, so oh, don't, good, good. don't so, worry about B- that. BJ, you're telling us about your theory of a Karate Kid Ninja Turtles crossover. I just can you imagine Mr. Miyagi sitting around with Splinter and like having tea and discussing training their kids? <laughs> oh, I wonder. He's like Miyagi, like oh, that, my my kid did this, and then like oh, hey, my mine dressed up like a superhero, and <laughs> going on about oh, over and over about all the crazy, stupid things that their teenagers have done. Like, I think Raphael would probably hook up with the with the guys uh, who were beating up on Daniel. And then he would, you know, learn his way. Learn he was wrong when Daniel kicks him in the face a few times. And you know, this does sound better than the Ninja Turtles Power Rangers crossover. Oh God, tell me that didn't happen. No, that did happen. With the live action Ninja Turtles, the next mutation. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Oh good God, I have actually never seen an episode of that. I'm gonna have to find it now. Next mutation wasn't that bad, but this crossover was. Except for Venus de Milo, the, the female Ninja Turtle. 
a reptile with breasts. But that's for a discussion on Ninja Turtles, but we're doing the karate true, kid. True. Okay, so yeah, so it's this tournament where Daniel just has to show up and do the final and do the match to defend his title. And and what, once again, it gets kind of convoluted because uh, Silver's has got it all worked out. Where he's gonna have, where he's gonna have Mike like get a point, then lose a point, and get a point and lose a point to keep it neck and neck, so that the so that the so that it has to go to sudden death. Wherein it sounds like one of them will have to beat the shit out of the other. Yeah, I mean, again, I, it's very confusing how they describe the scoring, but I like that they continually weaken him throughout the match to just kind of fuck with him. Yeah, you see, the the sad part is that. You know, those judges are not stupid, and they would have realized what was going on and stopped the match. Like, that's the sad, like, knowing, I mean, because we know that the guy is knowledgeable, you know, the the main judge, because he talks to Daniel once or twice, you know, in the other movies. Like, hey, you know, that was good. Oh, you did this. Yeah. He's observant. He knows what's going on. And I can't believe they didn't see that unless they're being paid. Because remember, Silver paid to buy a new place to hold that tournament every year. So is yeah. that judge, who we thought was wonderful and very dedicated to karate, also you know getting paid under the table? I guess I guess that's a possibility, but I figure if the judge was bribed, Silver loves talking about his plans so much. I'm sure he would have mentioned it. But he does. Obviously, He's a classic. You know, all he needed was a death ray, and he would have been a great Bond villain. Yeah, just like, like has, just, yeah, we're gonna have Daniel and Mr. Miyagi tied to the little like workbenches in the bonsai shop. And he's like cutting. He's cutting up bonsai trees with the with the death ray, and then he's aiming it at them. <laughs> oh yeah! Mm. And then Sato and Chosen break through the windows, and save them. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go! Oh yeah! And they all four of them team up because that's what you do in a later <laughs> sequel. You have to team up with the bad guy from an earlier sequel. But like, despite despite how hard the rules of the match are to follow, I did find the final fight sequence to be pretty tense. I mean, they're kicking Daniel on the back and stuff. It's certainly um, more hardcore, I think, than the stuff in the first movie. So, yeah, the only thing that really bothers me about it is the swearing. I, I don't think that that is a really works for Karate Kid. Oh, well, actually, let, let's talk about how Daniel wins, though, because you know he's been beaten down really hard, and and Silver's talking about oh he's too stupid not to get up, and Daniel gets up and has meaningful eye contact with Mister Miyagi. And then Daniel just starts doing katas, katas, which for some reason terrifies Mike. He's, he, he figures he's snapped, like, oh, God, what's this dude going to do? I mean, we I, know what happens when Mr. Miyagi snaps. I, <clears throat> I think it's more I of a, guess. it's not a terrify, it's like a, ha, look at this crazy guy, he thinks he's going to beat me with kata. Ha, 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 oh, shit. Yeah, I, I guess you could say that, but yeah, Daniel goes from the kata into a very effective takedown move that wins in the wins in the tournament. Although I kind of wish he would have done the kick again. I don't know. It's not like. What I hate is he didn't remember any of his stuff about the drum. Mm. Like he didn't do any of that drum stuff at all. Like that would have been a nice reference to the like he picks up things in his repertoire, kind of like a. Like a superhero gaining a new move every time he goes to you know some new you know set of issues. What if he would have oh, lifted? But... What if he would have lifted up his arm and about to karate chop the guy, and he says honk, and then he just kills him. He delivers a fatal blow. 
like, 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 his nose like, off. Like, yeah, like no, no, the, guy, the guy's coughing up blood, and he goes honk honk. No, no. What? What if? What if Miyagi pulled out a gun, shot Mike, then <laughs> shot Daniel, and then said, "The secret of karate dies with me," and then shoots himself? What if? What if Miyagi sees how savage? Uh, <laughs> sees how savage Daniel is attacking the other kids, and Miyagi goes, "Karate is not." This is not karate. And he puts a gun in his own mouth and shoots himself. <laughs> what, if, what if a portal opens? A portal opens Jesus. and a guy with crazy gray hair comes out and goes, Daniel, Daniel, something's gone wrong in the future. We have to save karate. <laughs> they jump into the portal and go to the future to fight kung fu mutants. What if Miyagi would have whipped out a gun, shot Kreese in the head, and then afterwards said, wax off. <laughs> okay. Well, it's crazy. As crazy as this stuff is, it's not as crazy as what happens after Daniel wins the tournament. Because you know, yeah. Silver's before the final round. Silver's gives this whole speech about opening Cobra Kai dojos and dojos and teaching the Cobra Kai way and hands out T-shirts. No sooner has Daniel landed the blow than the audience, the entire audience, starts booing. Terry Silver and starts pelting him and his goons with their t-shirts. I was more upset at how uh, Miyagi was happy that Daniel won this tournament that Miyagi was telling him the whole movie not to participate in. Yeah, I, well, you know, that's, that's... out of his, you know, surrogate son. It's just that, you know, he, he's, he's, he wants his son, you know, this, he wants Daniel to learn not to get into these situations. He's still happy when he comes out on top. Well, you know... That's that's the thing that really got me about the ending. It ends too quickly because Daniel wins. He and Miyagi are happy, and that's it. I really that's feel how it this ends, film... just like in Karate Kid Part One, where it's over. Bam! Hey, well, we well, won. Is, okay. This film had so much going on to it. I don't think it should have ended there. I think we should have had at least one more scene where it's them running the bonsai shop. Like there's so much time is spent with that bonsai shop. I I. I have a lot invested in it. I want to see what happens to it. And, and the other thing is, you know Silver and his goons aren't going to stop harassing them just because they were defeated in a tournament. That's how this got started. What there if you would have had a... What if, what if there was a coda? Go on. Miyagi has been secretly collecting information with his ninja skills and <laughs> you know gets illegal dumping stuff or something on, on Silver and gets him taken down with a federal warrant. What if uh, <laughs> there would have been a last scene... In the bonsai bush shop, where Daniel's just working by himself, he hears someone walk through the door, and you know he he hears a voice that sounds kind of familiar. Oh, I've been looking all over the place for bonsai bushes. I haven't seen something like this for a long time. Daniel looks up, and it's Elizabeth Shue from the first movie. I guess. No, I, just, I, no. <laughs> I really didn't like her as the as a love interest. I I just felt that she was kind of too preppy. Yeah, I just, I just want to know what's up. I, I want to know, I want to know that 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 Miyagi is going to live out his retirement dream with the bonsai shop, and I want to know that Ralph, I want to know that Daniel is probably going to still get into college because I think it's really important for this character to get into college, and I want to know why Silver and his goons aren't going to keep harassing them. I just felt like those were left. That stuff was because left. now not only can Mr. Miyagi wipe the floor with him, so can Daniel. I well, that's what we need. We need a final confrontation where the goons show up to trash the place at night, and Daniel Daniel uh, waxes the floor with them 
and they finally realize we can't keep this up. You know, I, I need that finality. It, it definitely felt like this whole movie was trying to repeat the first one. Yeah. But it didn't do it as well because it became more comical because you've already escalated the movie or the, the so much into the second movie that all you could do is become comic book villains. Because <clears throat> yeah. when you really, th- I mean, think about it, man. He starts he freaking monologues all the time. We're going to make another feel, feel the pain. And then when the pain's over, we're going to go into suffering. And then when the suffering's over, we're going to go more pain. Like, it's very much, it's comic book. It's, yeah, yeah. And it's not even a good one either. It's like really bad knockoff. It's like some no-name brand trying to do Superman, but he's, he's something, he's like Ultra Dude or something. <laughs> Like, so, this was, yeah, yes, it was Karate Kid, but it didn't seem like it didn't even seem like the same writers. Like I can't believe they even wanted to put their names on it. No, so, I, I agree. You know, I expected Karate Kid three to be awful, and it's not. It's certainly watchable, but um, I kind of thought the second one felt like it wasn't needed. But that one seems like a masterpiece compared to Part Three. It's kind of like Smokey and the Bandit. In a lot of ways, yeah. I think even to me, the the one you'll do next time, next Karate Kid, is is better than Karate Kid Part Three. I've never seen Next Karate Kid, so I have to find out uh, next week. I last time I saw it was years ago. Yeah, I I, I think part of this I I like Hilary Swank. I think she's a very good actress, and um, you know, you still have Mr. Miyagi being a, a teacher and being a, you know, and doing what Mr. Miyagi does, and he kind of goes back to his roots, and he's not being as Thrasher says. He's not being crazy old man. Yeah. yeah. And you get the cool Buddhist monks. I mean, come on. Everybody likes Buddhist monks. Yep. Well, uh... Yes, Karate Kid 3 ends just like the first one, but not as satisfying. Can, can I make a public safety uh, statement? Sure. Okay, well, when when Snake and the punks first rough up the, uh, rough up the, the bonsai shop... And, and they and and the tide in battle starts to turn against them. They run out to their car and then they start like doing donuts in the street in front of the shop, you know, taunting Daniel and you know making threats. And the whole time you can hear this dinging sound. And then they drive off and they drive over a railway railway crossing just as the uh, the guide bars are coming down. Ladies and gentlemen, countless needless deaths occur on our nation's highways every year. Because people don't stop at the railroad crossings. They think that they can get past the train. Please, just stop at the railroad crossing. Don't try to beat the train there. I, I would hate, and you're going you're gonna, to, what, what that train will do to your car will be the least of your problems. I was shocked by the punk's lack of uh, safety. Aside from the fact that they were beating up people and breaking things in the thing. Well, that's wrong, too, but... but we we're Americans. Well, we already know that they have no tyrants. regard for safety. Very good. So, um, yeah, next week we'll be talking about the next Karate Kid, which will wrap up our Karate Kid stuff. And I'm not sure what we're going to do after that, as far as um, something to like. Are you going to do the uh, the current the uh, modern remake? No, because the modern remake I think did pretty well, and they're trying to make a sequel to it. Well, could we do could we do a bonus episode where we talk about the animated series and the remake? Um, I think we can mention them in the next episode. But... Oh, okay. Oh, you know, uh, Thomasine Griffith, who plays uh, 
who plays Silver. Yep. I was just looking over his filmography. This sounds like a joke, but this is apparently a real movie. He he starred in the movie The Unexpected Miss Polyfax with Angela Lansbury. And here's here's the rundown. When her doctor recommends that a widow pursue her unfulfilled life ambitions, he doesn't realize that she has always wanted to be a spy. Hmm. Like, Does he play a villain again? That's Is he one of those people like Malcolm McDowell who just can't get anything other than being a villain? Well, he's got... He's got the perfect face and acting style for a douchey villain. It's sad to see people typecast. Like, I'd like to see him try to play a hero. Like, I'd love to see him be one of those like heroes that just people don't understand him. Like, maybe we'll get a maybe we we'll get a future thing. A few dares down the line. Terry Silver's you know learned his lessons. Maybe he's you know went and learned from Mr. Miyagi because we know Mr. Miyagi's a pretty forgiving guy. Maybe he's like, you know, I'm going to teach you right. And so we get like. Terry Silver going about the world teaching the principles of Miyagi karate, <laughs> being you know being a real philanthropist, hmm. not dumping uh, not dumping not fluoride nuclear waste. <laughs> yeah. So this is Uncle Milkshake, Thrasher, <laughs> and BJ saying we're going to make him suffer, and the pain begins, and he'll thank me for it. And then you're going to suffer some more. And then there's going to be more pain. You have strong roots, Daniel-san. And your karate teacher's crap is shit. Remember that, Daniel. Your karate teacher is shit. That, you know, I, I don't like that language. That's what they say at the end of the movie. They also call Miyagi a Jap. Yeah, and that, that also really bothered me. So, yeah, in addition to all of his other villainous qualities, Silver's also racist. That's a good note to end on. Um, so tune in it, next week. It's, next yes, it's Karate Kid. To end on the, the, the person you are going to most hate if you watch any Karate Kid movie. Yeah, yeah. he's a very yeah. unlikable villain. Uh, all right, thanks, guys. The sequel cast airs Wednesdays, 3 to 4 p.m. Pacific time on Cascadia.fm online internet streaming radio you can also download episodes of the sequel cast from www.sequelcast.com 